Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Okay, here we go. My name is Chuck Wilson. I'm the pastor at New Hope Community Church. And I'm going to start off with some shout-outs. Happy Mother's Day shout-outs, actually. Uh, First of all, to my mom, who just had her 80th birthday. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. And also to my wife, Kim, 13 kids. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, Crazy, this whole shutdown has really been productive for her. Because she was about ten years, she was ten years behind on pictures. She does picture albums for all the kids. We do lots of pictures, lots of kids. So she's about ten years behind. Uh, she, her sister Gwen takes the pictures, and and the two of them hadn't been able to pull it together lately. So, at night, because we don't have sporting events to go to at night, she is taking the time to. Uh, do the photo albums and they tore through it they really spent some serious time on this and she was figuring out yesterday because she was looking at all the pictures she ordered and duplicated and all that and they figured out they had did they had done 8,700 pictures during the shutout so uh happy mother's day kim (laughs) 8,700 pictures later so also sandy fresh in lockport Happy Mother's Day to you. And then Western New York, uh, some more shout-outs. Jody Alt, Marilyn Bellavia, Dan and Krista Tuttle, Jen and Sean Reganese, and also Paul and Ellie. We miss you guys. I uh, hope you can get back to school in the fall here at Karen. So we miss you guys. So those are my shout-outs. If anybody I've missed, let me know, and I'll try to include you as we keep going here. Next week, though, we have a special guest speaker from the Dominican Republic, Dave Adams will be putting his video on. He'll be sharing a little bit about the ministry, the sports ministry there in the Philippines, but also he'll be preaching. I already watched it. He sent it to me already. I already watched it. It's really good. So don't miss next week, uh, Dave Adams. The title for today, though, is A Little Bit Goes a Long Ways. A Little Goes a Long Ways in God's Hands. A Little Goes a Long Way in God's Hands. It's the miracle of the feeding of the 100, which we'll see. 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44. But I want to start off by saying, once again, Happy Mother's Day to all women. Whether you're a physical mom, a spiritual mom, an emotional mom to someone, all women are, are, are very special this day. You've all made amazing impacts on so many lives. Whether you actually have physical, spiritual, emotional children, you know what a difference you've made. So it's interesting that we landed on this passage today on Mother's Day in the life of Elisha. Actually, I had to work hard at it. I had to kind of pace myself so I hit this because I knew this was perfect for Mother's Day. Because it's about feeding 100 people here. And isn't that what most moms and women do, is spend a lot of time feeding, feeding hungry kids? I know Kim does on a regular basis with 13 kids, and some of them are married now, and they're over a lot with the grandkids, and you can imagine what the birthday parties are like. It's a mob. Sundays after church, open house, a lot of college students come over, and whoever wants to come over, and she feeds everybody. Youth group, we have Chris, youth group come over a lot in Christmas, the parties, and then the New Year's Eve parties. Sometimes we'll have 50, 60, 70 people people here on a given night. Uh, It can be really, really crazy. But for moms and all women, you spend a lot of your time preparing meals, don't you? Meals. Wouldn't it be nice to have a miracle oven that you could just you know, punch in or even just speak to it, say, you know, uh, could you make 
whatever, whatever the family wants, whatever you're, whoever you're cooking for, or whatever they want, you could just make it. And you just uh, open it up and voila, there it is. Your, your very, the very meal that you wanted just miraculously there. Wouldn't that be great? Coronavirus shut down once again. All the girls are home. And so Kim, they came up with this idea they were going to take turns helping do meals. So they've been doing it. Every night they pair off, couple, two of the girls, older or younger one, pair off. And they've been taking turns preparing dinner. Kim loves it. Uh, it's been so great for her. It's like a miracle oven. But we're going to see a real miracle meal today. Elisha does just that. He does a miracle meal. And that's why the title is... Miracle feeding 100, a little goes a long way in God's hands. 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44. Let's start with prayer. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace. Whatever our situation is today, whether we have a little or a lot, Father, we know that you are the one who provides and you are the one we, that we depend on. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of us as how you want to use us to touch others' lives. I pray that through your word and through your mercy and grace that would touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we saw last week that Elisha is training a special school of prophets, 100 men and probably lots of their families with them, but there's a famine in the land, a famine in the land, so feeding them is a challenge. And last week we saw there was a, a, a miracle of provision because they were cooking this meal, the stew, and there were poison gourds, but because of throwing the flour in, they were healed. And if you didn't hear that, listen to that because of an amazing story. But God worked in a, a miraculous way to meet their needs and, and neutralize the poison. They were able to eat the food. This week, we see God prov provides for them in another way through another miracle. And let's start by reading it, 2 Kings 4, 42 to 44. Okay, a man came from Baal, Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Okay, here we go. This miracle, another miracle this week, involves human involvement and God's miraculous touch. A man came from Baal Shalisha. Baal Shalisha. Now, originally it was just named Shalisha. That was the name of the town. But over time it had, it had taken on this added name of Baal Shalisha. Why do you think that is? Because of Jezebel, wicked Jezebel, her evil influence, she brought in Baal worship. And so, so now Shalisha becomes Baal Shalisha. And we see many of the towns in Israel getting the word B-A-A-L in front of it because of idol worship. They're honoring an idol. And we see this happening. It reminds us of what has happened in our country here. A lot of colleges that were once established for the gospel have now become apostate, idolatrous demonic even. Harvard and Yale and many, many others that were started for Christ have completely lost all connection to Jesus Christ. Harvard itself was started to train ministers. Most of you didn't know that. Started to train ministers. Their motto was truth for Christ and the church. Truth for Christ and the church, but not too long ago they shortened that to just truth. Just truth. Took out Christ, 
took out the church. It's shortened out to just truth. But what they don't understand, but we see clearly, is there is no truth without Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I have the truth. He said, I am the truth. I am the truth. So you take Christ out of your motto, you no longer have truth. You have a lie. You have a falsehood. You have delusion, which we're seeing in all these schools, all these schools that have dropped Christ. But back to this man from Shalisha, even in this time of apostasy, there was a faithful remnant. A faithful remnant. There always is. There's always a faithful remnant. And this man from Shalisha was one of them. He was supposed to bring his tithes to the temple in Jerusalem, but he couldn't do that because he's from northern Israel and Jerusalem is down in Judah and there was a civil war going on. Remember the divided kingdom? There's a civil war going on. He couldn't take it down there because of the civil war. And so this true worshiper of the true God Jehovah was not about to take it to Bethel or Dan. That's the northern kingdom. Remember the two false sites set up with the golden calves saying, these are Jehovah. These are your gods. But they weren't. They were idols. And he wasn't about to take them to the counterfeit calves in the religion that they had set up in Bethel and Dan. And there's no way he was going to take it to the temples of Baal. So he only the only place he could think of probably was the, the one place he knew that the one true God was still being worshipped was Elisha and his school. And it's so he brings his his tithe there. It's a miracle he could bring anything at all. It's a famine going on. A famine. And so it's hard to even get any kind of food. But here he is. He still God had still blessed this faithful man. And it's even more surprising that he brought a tithe at all because it would be tempting to say, well, there's a famine. I need this for myself. I need this for my family. I can't be taking this off and dumping it off on Elisha and his his, his ragtag army of, of prophets. But that's exactly what he did. He was bringing his offering of first fruits, even though it was a famine, even though he didn't have much. He had nothing to spare, really. But he was bringing his first fruit the offering of first fruits, which we see first in Exodus 23:19. In Exodus 23:19, we see that very thing where it says, "Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God." So there was a tithe that was a 10% tithe that they were supposed to bring. We see it all all throughout the, the law here, the, the uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We see it all the way through there. He, he, they were supposed to bring their first fruits, and that's what this guy was doing, the, the tithe, that first 10%. And it wasn't much. Probably wasn't much as much as he normally could have brought because of this famine. It wasn't much, but God performed another miracle through Elisha and this man's faithfulness. Through this man's faithfulness. It wasn't much, but it was enough in God's hands. It was enough in God's hands to perform a miracle of provision for his needs. It was enough in God's hands to perform this miracle, a provision for the needs of this whole group of prophets. We never know how much impact our gifts can make. We never know how much they're going to impact someone when we put our gifts into God's hands. We have no idea what God's going to do with that, what he will do with it, what he can do with that. I think of Charity Water with Scott Harrison starting Charity Water. I remember when he started it. And I recently read his first book, his book, 
called Thirst. Amazing, amazing story and stories of gifts, large and small, some very small gifts that, that were changing lives. Many, many small gifts and some very big ones, but they all together have changed so many lives by providing water for people all over the world. Amazing story. If you've never read the Thirst book, read it. I want to encourage you on that. But <clears throat> before Elisha's miracle, before he performed this miracle, before that happened, first came opposition. First came the gift, and then came opposition. Opposition from his servant. Not from the man. It wasn't the guy who brought the gift. He, it was his servant. Look at verse 43 where it says, How can I set this before a hundred men? His servant asked. His servant asked. This reminds us of the disciples' response when Jesus wanted to feed the, the 5,000, then he wanted to feed the 4,000. He had several feedings there. When he wanted to feed the 5,000, which we're going to hit on later, they, the disciples gave some opposition, right? But there's more to this than just a simple pragmatic thinking or even unbelief. There's more to this because this, Eli, this servant of Elisha, his name was Gehazi. Gehazi. We're going to be looking at him very soon. The next chapter, we're going to be looking at him. And uh, I usually refer to him as greedy Gehazi. Wait till you see the story of Gehazi with Naaman. Uh, you can read ahead if you want. He's this guy's greedy. And he uses his logical argument. But what he really wanted to do is keep the food all for himself. He wanted to keep it for himself. I have dealt with many Gehazis over the years who, who have hindered ministry for their secret agenda. Their selfish agenda. I've dealt with, with, uh, assistant pastors who are always trying to block sharing our, our, our funds and doing ministry and doing missions because there was always, they were always angling for more money or more power for themselves. I've seen this with, with leaders and regular folks who just were mean or were ungracious, constantly mean and ungracious. They had this, they had an ungracious spirit, the same way as Gehazi had. And, and I'm going to say this, when someone is always trying to block ministry in, in the name of money somehow, if they're always trying to block doing more ministry in the name of money, keep your eyes open. And if we find ourselves, we got to check ourselves, if we always find ourselves blocking the sharing of, of what we have and blocking the, the giving to missions, if we're always doing that, we need to check our spirit. We need to check our spirit. What, what has shifted? What is wrong in our spirit that keeps us from sharing and wanting to do more? Instead of less, we should be wanting to do more and more and more. Uh, read the book of, well, we're going to read, read with Paul and giving to missions and sacrificial giving. We'll talk about that. Now, then we see there's opposition. The, the guy brings the gift. We see the opposition. And now in verse 44, we see the miracle in verse 44. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Uh, oh, I'm going to read the rest of 43 first. But Elisha said, give it to the people to eat. For this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. So 43b through 44, we see the miracle of the feeding of these 100 men and their families with 20 
loaves, and these aren't giant, these are little loaves of bread. It was a miracle. This is a prophetic picture of Jesus feeding the multitude, which he did twice. He did two different times. The first time, I'm just going to read one of the episodes. The first one we're going to see in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. One of the feedings, and just look at the parallels that we're going to see, because the miracle with Elisha is a type, a picture of what happens with Jesus' miracle. Uh, 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Uh -uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh-uh. What he said about the money. Uh, Probably Judas was in on that one. When they found... uh, How... Verse 38. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass... So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. (laughs) They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So you figure with families that were with them, it's estimated 15,000 people ate this meal and there was 12 baskets gathered up. Amazing. Amazing. This is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Did you know that? Only one. All four Gospels. So obviously the Holy Spirit does not want us to miss the lesson of this. There's a lot of lessons. One is it's vital because this is vital because Jesus is the bread from heaven. This bread that he's sharing represents himself. Bread from heaven, Old Testament, New Testament. See the connection, the prophecy, the fulfillment. Jesus came to to, to supply our spiritual needs and to give himself as bread from heaven. We've talked about that many, many times. But let's look at the parallels here. There was a, a crowd of hungry people both times, right? Elisha took pity on his his prophets and Jesus had compassion on the crowd. A few barley loaves were used in each in different parallel passages in the Gospels. You see it was actually barley loaves, same as Elisha. Elisha used his servant. Jesus used his apostles, right? The apostles, they both got a pushback. Elisha got a pushback. Jesus got a pushback. And both times there was plenty left over. All because this man here in 2 Kings, and because that little boy in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the little boy with Jesus shared what they had, the little bit that they had, all because of that. And that's why I entitled this, A Little Bit Goes a Long Ways, when we put it into God's hands. There's so many things we could say about this, but this was the main focus I want to focus on today. A little bit goes a long ways when we put it into God's hands, whether it's something we have, whether it's our life, whether it's our life's goals, whether it's it's our time or energy or whatever it is, we put it into God's hands, it can go a long ways. The question is, will we put it into God's hands? This man from Shalisha, 
Will we be like that man from Shalisha or will we be like greedy Gehazi? Uh, let's not get too convicting here. We are, we are still called. Here we go. We are still called to bring to God our first fruits. That's our tithes, our offerings. In the Old Testament, it was the te- that 10%. The first 10%, we're still called to do that with our church or our ministries that we're part of. Very, very important. Now, I'm going to really upset you now. In the New Testament, it goes much further. It talks, Paul talks about not just the tithes, but he talks about sacrificial giving, which is way beyond 10%, way beyond. Sacrificial giving. And this is a really important thing because with a coronavirus that is hitting so many hard people out of work and hitting a lot of, there's so many needs, hitting a lot of churches hard, a lot of churches hard. But I believe that God's faithful remnant, both churches and the folks that make up those churches are going to have enough. They're going to have enough because God is going to provide the needs. And many times he's going to provide it by us sharing, both with our churches, but also with with people in need. Not just in our churches, but our neighbors. Everywhere people are in need. He's going to use us to touch lives. How has God been leading us to give? Even though it might be a small amount or significant, whether it's our tithe or whether it's helping a neighbor with some food, a loaf of bread, whatever it is, we might think it's too small, it's too insig- it's, it's insignificant, but God can multiply that. God can multiply the effect of it. We will not know until we get to heaven how God used our gifts, both small and large, how he used them to touch lives. We will not know until we get to heaven. We won't know till we get there and we find that we have treasures in heaven. We may not have much down here, but we have treasures in heaven because we stored it up in heaven. That's where we stored it. That's what Jesus was talking about. Think of the coronavirus. We can help someone in need. We can give to the food pantries. If you don't know anybody personally, there's lots of food pantries. I've been sending out emails to different places. The food pantries. And no matter... No matter how small it is, if we put it into God's hands, think of this man from Shalisha, think of the little boy with Jesus, the the five loaves, the two fish. If we put it into God's hands, it will have an eternal impact. An eternal impact. We have no idea what it will do, but it will have, we have no idea how much, how God will use it. It will have an eternal impact. We have a ministry in the Philippines. Uh, people in our church know about this. We've adopted an unreached people group. It's in a tricky spot. It's a it's a Muslim tribe, and that's all I can say about it. We've got to be careful what we say. But th- that is the main focus of our church, the main focus. And he has allowed our little church here in New Hope, Pennsylvania, to make a big impact on the other side of the world because we've really zeroed in. Instead of shotgunning missions, we've just zeroed in. We put our uh, whole emphasis pretty much most of our whole emphasis on this this unreached people group and and we've just seen God really bless what we the little bit that we've been able to do although it ends up being a lot over the years and we've we've given most of our building fund to this church we, we were saving but we decided God was leading us to give up our building fund and we gave up most of our building funds so that we could build them a church so they could build a church so they could build a ministry center so they could do all kinds of other things over there I, I kid them when I was over in the Philippines last year and I was talking to them and we were de- de- you know, cut the ribbon on the new church and all this I was kidding myself. I said well if we get kicked out of where we're worshipping we're all going to be uh, flying over we're all going to be coming over here uh, next to have church on Sundays because we don't have a building. You got the building. We're going to be coming. And they all thought that was funny. They loved that. Uh, but 
we we've been able to, we have been able to reach lots of people this way and god has met our needs for 20 years we've been in a school and it's been super we love the school we love the 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 the, 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 the custodians and the, the the administration they're just super we just love being there it's been a great place to to for the community because when we're there other people can use the gyms and everything else and it's been great for the community it's just been great 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 it's been a mutual blessing but if if the door were to close there for some reason we know god's going to provide he's going to provide another place even if it's house churches underground home churches, whatever it takes he'll provide another place and we we have over the years 10 years now we've been adopted this group we have given many gifts some very large gifts and some small gifts people have given many gifts some people have given large gifts amazing what some people have done but a lot of people have given smaller gifts and been faithful with that and giving small gifts and these you have to understand a dollar, if you give to them a dollar, that's 50 uh, pesos. I think I got that right. Uh, 50 pesos. And that that's a lot. A little bit goes a long way in this in this in this uh, ministry that we have here. And we've been able to help with many ministries and many crises that they've gone through. They've been through floods and fires and wars and terror attacks. And oh my goodness, the, the church has been taken over by terrorists. Oh, it's just unbelievable what they've been through. But we've been able to, our, our church has been able to have a, a real impact there. And now, and I'm talking mostly to our folks, but unless other people's hearts are touched by this, now they're facing another crisis. I spent a lot of time talking to Mark this week, uh, the, no last names uh, to mark this week, and uh, I got to be careful. But the, with the coronavirus, they are on shutdown in the Philippines, and they don't have the resources that we have with hospitals. You know what it's done to our country, but there it's a whole different thing. It's a really tricky situation, and food is also a whole different situation because they more are day to day or week by week, and they go down and get their food day by day or week by week. They don't have Costco's and Sam's and all these big places and store up and they can't, uh, you know, get all the toilet paper, <laughs> stockpile their toilet paper. They can't do that uh, because it's, it, it's a different culture. And so because of the shutdown, food and, and being locked in, food has become a real challenge for them. And they are trying to help. Mark, start at the beginning, they bought 500 bags of rice and they've been using that. And it's only been a month, but they're already down to 150 bags because they've been meeting the needs of the church. They've been meeting the needs of the orphanage that we're, you know, been part of the crib there. Um, they've been meeting the needs of, uh, neighbors, even many of the Muslim friends have come to the church and asked, and they aren't able to feed everybody all that they need, but they've been just trying to take the edge off of, of the needs there. They're doing the best that they can. They're also trying to get a farm going now because they know they're going to have to sustain. They can't keep hoping that they're going to be able to get help constantly if this extends. We don't know what's going to happen, but they're trying to get their farm. They do have a farm. Go, uh, they're trying to get it going, but they need to dig a well because whenever they plant the crops, it doesn't last. They have to deep, dig a deep well to give the water to the crops. And they're also trying to put in a fish pond, which can create a lot of, uh, can create a lot of food for them in a very short time. Fish ponds do amazing in the Philippines. So they're trying to create this fish pond. The well, I talked to Mark, I said, Mark, give me numbers. He said the well will cost $2,000 to dig a deep well 
at the, at the farm and that should be enough for the, the fish farm and the gardens that need to go in. That should be enough. Also, the fish pond will cost about $2,500 to put in. So those are two things that will sustain themselves, that will go a long way, that will keep on, you know, keep on keeping on. But the critical need right now, too, is for the rice. The, the price of rice is, is shooting up. There's been gouging going on and corruption and all that going on. But they, he, he estimates in order to get back up over 500 bags of rice where they kind of should be at a, a, a safe level for all the ministries they have going on, it'll cost about 10000 more dollars. So if you take the 10000 for the rice and the 5000 for the fish pond and the well, you're looking at about $15,000, which sounds like kind of a lot to us, but there it is a fortune. It's a small fortune in the Philippines. It sounds like a lot to us in the, in the coronavirus crisis, but to them, it's it's really a lot. And I want to put this need out to our church and beyond. Anybody else who hears about this, maybe they, they feel led to help out to this need. Uh, you might be able to give a lot. I know some of you can give a lot, and a lot of you have given a lot. It's amazing what's given. Or you might be able to give a little. It might be a dollar. It doesn't matter what we give. God can take what we give and multiply it. He already has when I went 10 years ago and saw the ministry and then I went just recently and saw it, it was exploding over there. All these people, especially Muslims coming to Christ, most of the new converts were Muslims. It was a lot of people. It was crazy. God has already blessed it. And he's already multiplying what we've given. But these people are very being very sacrificial. We recently sent over $7,000 to help their church planters support. They have all these house churches everywhere to, to support their church planters. But you know what the church planters did? They gave it all back to their church, little house churches and bought rice for their people. They didn't keep it for themselves. They, the, the ministry people that were trying to support gave it back to their churches to, to buy rice for those in need in the church and outside their churches. And Mark has sent some pictures recently of, of, of himself and Josh. My son Josh is over there. Josh, though, is flying back next week. Pray for him. It's not a good place right now, Mark said, for uh, Americans to be. <laughs> not a good place. Things are getting a little heated up. It's a long story and we've got to be careful what I say. But he's going to be flying back. But in the meantime, he's been helping out. And so there's you should be seeing a couple pictures here on both sides of me. Sarah's going to put them up. I just got these pictures from Mark where they're, they're handing out rice instead of bread. It's like Jesus and the loaves, they're handing out rice. Rice is the main food there. They, they, that, is, that is it. But also there's lots of fish. They're right on the ocean. And uh, you can see the fish. Can anybody guess what those are? Mackerel. Those are mackerel. I knew it right away. Kidding, kidding. And then there's little bags of sardines you see with the rice. But those are fish. So uh, Mark and, and Josh and the team has been handing out these fish and, and rice. They haven't been able to multiply them yet, but that's our job. God's using us to do that part. But I want to encourage you, if you, uh, you want to give to this ministry, there should be a little place underneath the... Uh, YouTube or the podcast, and if not, I'll, well, I'm going to just say it right now. If you want, you just go on our church website, www.newhopechurchpa.org, okay? And then there's a little place up on the top for giving. You click on giving, and then under giving, there's different ways to give, but the one I'm going to focus on is the online. There's an online giving. You click on the online giving, and then what will pop up is, um, uh, 
click on the online and then another under there there'll be general fund but you just go down to the right hand side a little bit further down it says another fund another fund so you click on giving then the online giving and then you click on another fund and when that pops up there'll be a little line above it and, and then you can write in just type in philippines so you, you can give a certain amount and you say another fund and you just write in Philippines and that will definitely then go right to the Philippine ministry. That's how you can give to this one, okay? So, church website, www.newhopechurchpa.org and then click on giving, then online giving and then another fund and write in the Philippines. And if you have any trouble with any of this, you can email me or call me. A lot of you are from the area. You can email me, uh, New Hope. I know. NHCC. I've been out of practice for this. We've been in lockdown too long. My address is nhcc at comcast.net. Okay? So, I just want to stress it again. A little goes a long ways when we put it into God's hands. Whether it's the Philippines, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's a food pantry, whether it's people in your church or outside your church, however God leads us to, to, to share it all depends on what we will put into God's hands. And I there's a little thing going around on the internet recently. It's actually old, but it's making a re, rerun because of the whole coronavirus crisis. And it, the title is, It All Depends on Whose Hands It's In. And I'm just going to read it to you. It depends on whose hands it's in. A basketball on my hands is worth about $19. A basketball on Michael Jordan's hands is worth about $33 million. It all depends on whose hands it's in. Now, this is a little older. You can insert whoever you want, LBJ or whoever you want. You can insert that in. A baseball in my hands is worth about $6. A baseball in, I'm not going to even use this guy. A baseball in, well, it's Mark McGuire's hands is worth $19 million. It depends on whose hands it's in. So inter, interject your favorite baseball player, whoever that, whoever that Yankee is. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, not Yankee. Uh, whoever, whatever team you follow. A tennis racket is useless in my hands. A tennis racket in Serena Williams' hands, I changed that one. Serena Williams' hands is a Wimbledon championship. It depends on whose hands it is in. A rod in my hands will keep away a wild animal. A rod in Moses' hands will part the mighty sea. It depends on whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hands is a child's toy, but a slingshot in David's hands is a mighty weapon. It depends on whose hands it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hands will feed thousands. It depends on whose hands they are in. Nails in my hands might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Christ Jesus' hands will produce salvation for the entire world. It depends on whose hands they're in. As you see now, it depends whose hands it's in. So put your concerns, your worries, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your families, and your relationships, and all that you have, I'm adding this, all that you have into God's hands because it depends on whose hands they are in. It all depends. What is God calling us to put into his hands? It could be anything. It could be anyone. Who, what, where is God calling us to put into his hands? And maybe you are listening to this and you've never put your own life into God's hands. You've never put your faith in Jesus and given your life to him. But he's, and today he, could be, he, he is calling you to put your, hand, put your life, your faith, 
into Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us how to do that. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus, given your life to Him, put your eternity, this life and eternity, into God's hands? Let's pray. We go to this time of prayer. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you ever put your life into His hands? You may be fearful today. You might be freaking out because of all that's going on. You might be really nervous. You might be depressed. You might be living with incredible shame because of what you've done in the past. But that can all be put into God's hands through His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son, Jesus, came to die on the cross in our place. He came to rise from the dead to give us a brand new life if we will put our life in His hands, if we will put our faith in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to believe in Jesus? Are you ready to put your faith in Him? Are you ready to give your life to Him? You can do that right now. God, it's the prayer of faith. It's a prayer of faith. God, I give my life to you. I don't want the sin anymore, the garbage anymore, the past anymore. I repent. I walk away from that. I ask you to forgive me through your son Jesus, through his death on that cross. I ask you to forgive me everything in my life that goes against your word or your will or your purpose because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. If you have put your self, your faith into the hands of Jesus today, your life will never be the same. Never be the same. You have become a new person in Jesus Christ. A new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend who is a Christian. Tell them. Don't let this day pass without letting them know. Because they're going to be excited for you. And they're going to help you grow in your faith. And if you don't have anybody to tell, email me. Send me the email, nhcc at comcast.net. I'll be excited and I will help you grow spiritually. Let somebody know. For those of us who have already put our faith in Jesus, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What has God called us to put into His hands? Whether it's a little or a lot, He says, I want to take this and make it go a long way. I want to give your life purpose and meaning. I want to I want you to give whatever it is to me so that I could do something powerful in and through your life. What is he talking to us, speaking to us, convicting us about, calling us to open our hands and surrender and put into his hands? 
Father, I pray for every one of us that we would surrender whatever you're calling us to surrender so that you don't have to pry our hands off of it, but we will willingly give, up, give it up so that we could see you blessing many others through what we have put into your hands. I pray that through this scary time that you would reassure each of us that you're going to meet our needs even though we are faithfully giving to other people. You're going to still meet our needs. You are the one who meets our needs and others' needs through your work in our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. I hope you have a great week.